I want to spend a little bit of time uh, this morning talking about uh, courage. Or, you know, as I was going through this study, um, be strong, don't be ashamed, uh, do not fear, don't be afraid, fear not. Uh, really, all of those kind of encompassing together uh, will be our lesson today. But I've thought a lot about this, this verse, Revelation 21 and verse 8. Um, let's start in verse 7. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murders, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all lies shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And I've thought a lot about this uh, word cowardly being included in this list and, and what all that means. And um, am I cowardly? And have I been cowardly? And how do I keep from being cowardly? You know, all those things together. And, and if you ask the question, have I been cowardly? The answer is yes, I have been. You know, at some point, I would throw myself in the, in the yes category on that. Uh, do I try to be? No, I don't. Uh, I don't want to be. Uh, and I think that would hold true for everyone here. Is you don't you don't want to be cowardly, uh, especially in pertaining to uh, to spiritual matters. I don't want to be named among that group, uh, and I don't think you do either. Um, but it's you know it, as different lists are in the Bible, sometimes things stand out to you of of like, well, how did that make it into that list? And, and cowardly is one of those. You know, you look at the other sins here, the abominable. The murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, and idolaters are named in here with the cowardly. Uh, and I think that's worth our attention, and we'll spend our time together this morning and this hour discussing that. Um, the, this phrase, do not fear, you know, which would, I think, be a, an encouragement to not be cowardly, or do not be afraid, or fear not. It, it depends on which translation you got, how that uh, phrase is translated in your Bible uh, is about a hundred times that 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 is uh, given to us in our Bibles as an encouragement or, or an admonition not to be uh, cowardly. Uh, so, you know, if you think about how many times that is said, I think God's telling us a message. You know, there there is the opportunity for us to fear. There's the opportunity for us to be cowardly, but He's encouraging us not to be. And I think about it in my own life, what, what makes me cowardly or afraid or lose heart or be ashamed of Jesus or, or God and anything in, of spiritual matters, uh, and I think of back through my own life and, uh, and think about other reasons that others might fall into this, uh, this sin, uh, it would be, you know, it could be a array of things. There's some things going through your mind that I maybe not list here, but I think a lot of times it's what others think of us. What are, uh, you know, you're in a situation and something where you could plug in or say something in a spiritual way, and you just don't. Uh, and I've been in those situations where I just didn't uh, and, and regret it later. But uh, a lot of times I look back and it's because the fear of what others will think of me. Uh, you know, you can call it all kind of things, peer pressure or whatever. Uh, but if you dig down to the root of it, what's the root of that problem? It's a lack of faith and a lack of trust is what it is. Uh, and I think uh, that that bears out. And <clears throat> thinking back to our lesson this morning, you know, in dealing uh, with Galatians 2, um, 
and looking at Peter. Uh, and you, when you think about Peter, we obviously know he, he was a good man. He was an apostle. Uh, we know he recovered from, from some things in his life that, that we have recorded for us. He, he almost seems to me like the, like the David of the New Testament. You know, you see some of those things where he fails, but what he, he, he seems to have overcome those things, and, and we see that. And so, and I think of him as kind of like the, the David of the New Testament. But you think about Peter in his life uh, when, he's, when Jesus is uh, led away to be crucified, and Peter's standing afar off, and he, he's separated himself. And, you know, I, I think, well, that was a cowardly moment of Peter. And then you see Peter in Acts 2, and, you know, he's given that sermon, and he's, he's bolstered up, and we see him going to prison, and those things that happen in early Acts, and he's such a pillar. And then we get to Galatians 2, and it's like, well, he, it seems he hits another cowardly moment. He, 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 he's fearful of what others will think of him. He, he falls under this category of being ashamed of really who Jesus was and not having that faith in, in God's plan and the trust in Him. And we see Paul rebuking him there. Uh, and so I think that that kind of encompasses our lesson and the things I want us to talk about this morning. Look in Luke 9. Luke chapter 9, verse uh, 26. Let's start there in verse 23. Luke 9 and verse 23, Then He said to them all, If anyone desires to come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow Me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for My sake will, find, will, will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of Me and My words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in His own glory, and in, and in His Father's, and of the holy angels. Uh, and here you see in verse 26, whoever is ashamed of Me. And then what else does He add? And My words. Uh, so Jesus is, is really giving us two things here that He's telling us not to be ashamed of. Because why? Because if you are ashamed of Jesus or His words, what does He tell us there? That uh, of Him the Son of Man will be ashamed. He's not going to... He's not going to claim us for His own when He comes in His glory uh, and, in his, and in His Father's and of the holy angels. So when He comes back, He's going to be ashamed of us if we fall in this category of being ashamed of Him or His works. Uh, so neither one of those can we be ashamed of. Uh, and I think there's a temptation there for all of us. And we'll look at Paul as a, as a good example for us this morning in some of these things. But if you look at Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, that is it is written, the just shall live by faith. And Paul's saying here he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And what, what do we see throughout Scriptures? His actions bear that out. Uh, Paul, you know, you think about him standing before the trials of the Jews. What does he do? He proclaims Christ. You know, you can go through the book of Acts and look at that. When he's in front of the Romans, what does he do? He proclaims Christ. When he's in prison, what does he do? He's teaching the gospel. He, he has the faith and trust in God that no matter what situation he finds himself in, he truly lives this out. He's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He has the faith and trust in God uh, to do what he's supposed to do, to proclaim uh, God's Word, to always be pushing God's message forward uh, and he, the, the results will fall where they may. Uh, and he's, he's not necessarily worried about his, his physical standing in this life 
he's worried about doing what God has told him to do. And I, I really believe that um, it goes back to his, his faith and trust uh, in God and that God will deliver him and that the only thing that matters is that he is right with God and he knows uh, that uh, as a song we sing, what I've committed, uh, he'll deliver on that day. And so I, I believe he, he has, uh, Paul lives that out in, in his life and he never loses heart and he always pressed on as we see. And if you will, look at Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 8. This is Paul, of course, writing here to Timothy. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. Look up there in verse 16. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. Uh, and, you know, the kind of this, I guess this will be the second point of the lesson is don't be ashamed of others who are standing for the truth. And I think sometimes we're, uh, when we know that a teacher or a preacher or someone has stood up and said something that um, was hard for a group to hear, that was um, not comfortable, that was not popular, uh, I think we've all seen this is, you know, somebody will, and maybe you've been in the situation, somebody, you know, secretly come to you, man, I, I'm glad you said that. We needed to hear that, or the group needed to hear that, you know. I've seen elders do that, preachers do that, uh, certainly members, but scared to, in any way publicly, uh, to be associated with anything complicated. And uh, Paul here is telling Timothy uh, not to be ashamed of him. Don't be ashamed of me. I'm in prison, uh, and don't be ashamed of me. And it specifically says there in verse 8, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed of that, nor of me, his prisoner. So don't be ashamed of either one. And Paul is just echoing what Jesus said, uh, saying don't be ashamed of me or my words. And Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy the same thing, but also telling him don't be ashamed of him. Uh, and I think that's something for us to uh, to take note. And here again, we don't want to fall in that, that category of the cowardly, the ones that aren't willing to stand for truth, the ones that aren't willing to stand with someone else that is standing for truth. And sometimes that's easier to do because we don't have to be, you know, we can separate ourselves from whatever has been said uh, that is hard to hear. Uh, we can kind of separate ourselves and not, and what should we be doing in that situation? We should be encouraging that one that is doing, that is standing for the truth, that is, that is holding, um, uh, holding God's banner high and standing for what is right. And we do not want to be in that category. Let's look at Acts 27. Look at Paul again here. Acts chapter 27. Let's start. I want to read this this story just to uh, kind of get the whole picture here. Acts 27, starting in verse 13. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempest headwind arose. 
called Euryclidon. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Clauda, we secured the skiff with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship, and fearing lest they should run aground on the Sirtis sands, they struck sail and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. On the third day we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we, that we would be saved was finally given up. But after long abstinence from food, when Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore take heart, man, for I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told to me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Now when the fourteenth night had come, as we were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. They took soundings and found it to be twenty fathoms. And when they had gone a little farther, they took soundings again and found it to be fifteen fathoms. Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes on the skiff and let it fall off. And as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day you have waited and continued without food and, and eaten, eaten nothing. Therefore I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. And they were all encouraged and also took food, for, took food themselves. And in all we were... 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the weed into the sea. And using Paul as an example, as we've already talked about, him being someone that has faith and trust in God and trust in his plan, I really think here that we see uh, a moment where that faith and that uh, trust in God allowed others to be encouraged as well. You know, we see here that uh, and I and I don't think any of us would think that uh, out of this 200, I think it was 76 persons on the ship, uh, it appears that, that Luke was at least with him. But I don't think any of us here think that most of these folks were Christians. Uh, I would think we would see most of these folks as, you know, obviously there was a centurion here, be some Romans. Uh, you know, there were essentially a bunch of non-Christians there. And we see Paul, you know, stand up and say, and, you know, I told you not to go. And then he says, but, you know, all of us are going to be all right because guess what? God has told me uh, that I'm going to stand before Caesar and that everyone on this ship is going to make it. Uh, and then we see him there uh, taking up food and telling them 
today is the 14th day in verse 33, and we have waited and continue without food and eating nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival. Uh, and he tells them there nothing will happen to them. And then what's he do? Uh, when he said these things, he took bread and gave thanks. He, he prayed to God there. He, he gave thanks to God uh, for the food and uh, for, I would assume, the, the safety of, of, of the ones on the ship. And what's he do? This he doesn't he doesn't go back in a cabin of the you know a little spot on the ship and do this with him and Luke. He does this what before the presence of them all. Uh, and then what does what does that do? In verse thirty six, and they were all encouraged, and they also took food for themselves. And so I, I think this is just an encouragement to all of us that if we are uh, the people that we should be, if we have the faith in God, if we have the trust in God, as Paul did here, we can be a rock for others. We can help others get through hard times. We can help them get through the storms of life. You know, if you want to translate the story over to us, you know, they're, they're in this storm on the ship and he's able to, to take all these folks, these 276 uh, people, they're all encouraged by Paul. And I think, you know, he was a leader in this and he was a, he was a rock that they could, all right, you know, this, this guy, he, he's holding himself together. And <clears throat> we all know how encouraging it is to be around someone when everything seems to be falling apart and that person is just calm as could be. Just they know it's all going to work out uh, and, and we can be that person that other people are, you know, how, how, did, you, how did you make it through that? How, how did you hold yourself together through all those trials, through things that uh, everyone else would have fallen completely apart? How did you make it? And then that gives us an opportunity to tell them, look, I had faith in God. I know that God's going to take care of, of His people. He is with His people and he, take, he takes care of them. So if we have this faith and trust uh, that we see Paul having, we can be that for others. And, and uh, I don't know about you, but I, I want to be that person. Uh, I, here again, I don't want to fall under that category of the one that, that's fearful and that's afraid and that's, is numbered among the cowardly. I want to be like Paul here who is able to, to say, you know what, God's told me this. I know it's going to happen. I see all this crazy stuff going on around me. It doesn't matter. God's already told me this, and that's where I'm going. Uh, and He's told me that we're all going to make it, uh, and we will. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think that's a good story for all of us to to remember uh, as we think about being strong and what we can do for others in that. And I think we've all seen it in our own lives. It's just a matter of, of doing that and, and making that, that play out for us. Let's look at Matthew chapter 14. Another story of a, of a storm in a boat. Uh, this one dealing with, with Jesus and the apostles, though. Matthew chapter 14, uh, starting in verse 22. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, 
Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when he, they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. And so here, you know, this is a story that's familiar to most of us, uh, of, of Peter and coming out on the, on the sea, and he, he sees that the, the wind is boisterous, the waves are evidently uh, high and contrary, as, as it says in verse 24, and he becomes afraid. You know, Jesus is there, and he's told him to come, uh, but he, be, he becomes afraid. Peter becomes afraid. And so if I, if I take a story and try to say, how do, how do I apply this to my life? How do I think about uh, this through my life? You know, Jesus has given us all a command. You know, he's telling us uh, all to do something. We all have something to do. So he's told us, come. And uh, if you're a Christian, you've, you've made some of those first steps. You have become a Christian. You have you've started your walk with him. And are you looking around you and saying, "Man, this is this is some contrary waves here. You know, this is boisterous." Uh, and are we becoming afraid? And we have the temptation to do that. We have the temptation uh, to be this person that Jesus says here, Peter, "Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt?" So uh, Peter obviously uh, doubted that Jesus' ability to keep him afloat here, uh, and and we all. Um, I, guess, I think are tempted at some points to be just like Peter, to see what's going on, for things to be going crazy in our life, for the world to be crashing down on us and us be of little faith. And we don't have that faith that we should. We don't have that trust that we should. And Jesus says, why do you doubt? And uh, really there's only, there's only two reasons for us to doubt. One we've already talked about, the, the not having the faith that we should. Uh, in, in Christ, we're already Christian and we don't have that faith that we should. And then there's another reason to doubt, which would be a good reason to doubt. If you're in the audience and you are doubting and you're not a Christian, well, you should be doubting uh, today uh, because there will be a judgment day coming uh, and it's coming uh, quicker, than, uh, quicker than we might think. The days seem to go by quicker and quicker all the time, it seems. Uh, but that day's coming and you should be doubting uh, where you are uh, but you do have the ability to make that right. Uh, and you need to get your life right uh, if you're not a Christian. If you would turn your uh, song books, I asked Matt to lead this lesson, or this song, as a matter of invitation. It's three, yeah, 347. I'd like to just kind of read this for a second and go uh, go through it. I also asked him to, uh, to sing 273 uh, and some of the words of that. I think about a lot, you know, this, I'm not ashamed to own my Lord, uh, and, or to, nor to defend His cause, and to maintain the honors of His Word and the glory of His cross. Uh, and, you know, here we've been talking about being ashamed, and where Jesus talks about being ashamed of Him and His words, He'll be ashamed of us. And here again, we don't want to uh, be there, but uh, we want to be those, those people that aren't ashamed, and we're not ashamed to defend His cause either. Uh, not just ashamed of Him, but we're, we're outstanding in front. And this is what 347 talks about. Who will follow Jesus standing for the right, holding up his banner in the thickest fight? And I get this image of, a, of the guy on the battlefield that's holding a flag, and he's, he's holding it high. The battle's thick, and he's not dropping it. He's holding it up. He's listening for his orders, and he's ready to obey. Who will follow Jesus serving him today? Verse 2, Who will follow Jesus in life's busy ways, working for the Master, giving him the praise, earnest in his vineyard, Honoring His laws, faithful to His counsel, watchful for His calls. 
verse 3, who will follow Jesus in his work of love, leading others to him, lifting prayers above, courage, faithful servant in his word we see on our side forever, will this Savior be? And the encouragement that we should take is that Jesus is on our side. Uh, he is there if we're a Christian, and, and we, we know that. We should have faith in that. We should trust that, that He is there to help us through whatever life throws at us. And I would say if you're, if you're one that hasn't been, uh, been the person that's been standing up like you should or that's been doubting, uh, just change. You know, that's really what we have to do. We have to gain more faith in Christ. We have to gain more trust in Jesus and, and God and, and what they're able to do for us. Uh, and I would ask you just to uh, strive to be who Paul was for, for, those, for yourself and for those around you. Uh, but if there's anything that we can help you with today or pray, pray with you or pray for you, we'd ask that you uh, come forward as we stand and sing.